Victor, uh, it's very nice to meet you. Welcome on the Evolving Play podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Rev. So I encountered your stuff quite recently. I think I saw you first on Leo Urban's channel. And I was quite intrigued by the way that you moved and kind of what you're doing. So I've been digging into your background and seems like you've been pretty new to the social media, online media world. Uh, oh, yeah, less than a year. Huh? Less than a year, I said. Less than a year. Your YouTube channels, about a year old Instagram. But it seems like you've been you've been pursuing this kind of natural animal movements for quite a long time. So, yeah, for people who are not familiar with you, um, you have a channel called Tarzan Movement. And you showcase lots of movement in trees, lots of kind of animal-inspired movements, conditioning exercises that you use with people who are training with you. And you have a kind of a training group in Spain. We used to have that at the first at the first year, but it turned out that is um, how do you say like is when you train one to one every day to people who don't have like a base. It's kind of hard to deliver full potential of what you can actually, um, you know, share with them. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, to build that base from somebody who lives in the city, I have been there forever. Yes. And all the, what they, how to address all of this. So it's, it's difficult in a group with all of, with many people have only very weak base of movement. Or no background at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I realized that that's not the best way of, for me. And then if we, you know, if we go around and train some people that can help better these people, then that's more interesting for them. So hopefully the internet will be stable for us. You were just telling me a little bit about how you were teaching, um, in Spain, were you in Barcelona or were in Barcelona? Okay, so you're in Barcelona, and you had a, a training group there, and then you were doing one-on-ones, but you felt like it wasn't quite able to deliver enough content to the students. Is that the right way to describe what was happening? No, it's more like it wasn't one-on-one, but I wanted to have this attention for everyone, but it was more like a group. Yeah. And then you see it's kind of hard to yeah. get this kind of attention in a group and then regarding everyone's difference and when you have to address like certain points, you know, because everyone have different background and different uh, illness or some problems from the, from the past and they have to be addressed individual, but then that's not possible. That's not possible. Like for me, I didn't feel like right to spend hours and hours repeating the same, you know? I I felt like uh, it would be a, it would be better if people come already with some background of movement, yeah. so then it's easy for them to pick up this su- uh, subtle subtle things of the movement that I'm, and the proposal that I'm delivering. You know? Yeah, yeah. So is that why you've moved to teaching intensives now? That's why I moved to teaching intensive. That's also like there is back then we were in a city. So it was kind of a not, not the right feeling to be in a park in a city mm-hmm. and then at the same time doing these things and, you know, wanting to be more connected with, uh, 
with nature spaces, no? Like, yeah. I mean, social spaces, or at least, like this place, it is a farm, but it's in the middle of nowhere, so it makes sense still, you know? But then in the city is like, no. Yeah, I've, I've experienced the same things. We taught uh, um, weekly classes in uh, Seattle for eight years. Uh, yeah, seven or eight years of weekly classes in Seattle. And it was, it was difficult because there's so much breadth that you want to bring to the students. And, you know, we already had 90 minutes for the students once a week. Um, so that's, it's just not, it's not so much to, to cover something really deep. And then, yeah, we've taught primarily through, uh, our two day workshops, traveling workshops, primarily taught in city parts for the Republic. Getting back to that here soon. Uh, but there's something where, you know, it's really at its best when we can take people into the deep nature. So it is nice to show them how nature can show up for them, even in the city. Yeah. Yeah. No. So tell me about your, your background and you, so you've been teaching this stuff through, through, uh, through kind of weekly classes, group classes, and then now you're, you've moved into intensives. Were you teaching movement for a long time before starting your thing in Barcelona? Did you have a fitness training background? How did you come to, to get into this business? Actually, not at all. Like I'm just a simple fellow who was always wondering about how to find his own place in earth and how to deal with society and just keep this kind of uh, curiosity for nature and this link that was always there with my own body what we call now body and mind but uh, just to keep that connected and not to start to you know walk around this concept of fragmented parts yeah so for me as i grew up in uh, in, in cuba and cuba in the countryside these games trees are kind of uh, you know day by day things something that you do as a child you go and pick up fruits these kind of things so Treat wasn't like strange for me. Yeah. Neither highs or or moving in different ways because you have to adapt to to the tree itself. Um. But um. I believe that this alone it it only comes for as a child develop some kind of relationship. But I think the hardest time of for every human comes when they have to face society. Uh, friends, uh, family, um, opinions and conclusion and, you know, the general way of doing things. That's where you really have to face the challenge of uh, not losing this uh, child um, connection mm-hmm. in all sense, like not just physically speaking for what you're doing, but also, you know, it's this challenge of trying to figure out how to not get them or, uh, or all these new concepts break through your innocence or break through your feelings because it at the time nothing makes sense nothing at all makes sense it's all this mess up in, and I believe this is kind of the experience of every human being at some point uh, maybe teenagers or even before and what happened to me uh, the turning point is that instead of trying to fit in the society, I was always kind of a rebel, <laughs> I must say. 
Yeah. And but not in that. Uh, my remedy was more like I wanted to just go out and find my own space, and I did so only on trees, because I figured that uh, once you go up, and this is kind of funny, but it's like that. Once you go up on a tree and just stay quiet, because every because nowadays nobody look really to trees in their daily life. Yeah. They don't realize you are there in the first place, not even the dogs. So it's like you're kind of protected by this invisibility uh, thing. Mm -hmm. And there I start to move naturally. Like, you know, you are in one place, but that's it. You want to score the tree and every tree teaches something different or you learn something about yourself. And this was the process. This was the process. This is my background. There is nothing else really specific. Maybe I did, I did some martial art when I was perhaps eight to 10 at the young age at the school. So Kung Fu, Kung Fu background. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it does count. It does count for some flexibility and some of the positions, deep squats and these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, some acrobatics, it does count a lot. Um, but then again, not even I was really appreciating this martial art at that time because I was um, I was kind of fighting the society. So I don't want to anyone at that time go aggressively on me. And there wasn't that kind of approach to Asher Mart. Like we can play and, you know, hit each other and everything's okay. Back then, everything was confused for me. So, so yeah, man, this is like for real my background. And um, I always like to dance like i mean it's something in cuba integrated in the culture yeah so it was always something for me i just start to dance in the trees this is my background you know <laughs> dancing in the trees is pretty much how it looks like so you so you were doing a lot of tree climbing just as a rural kid growing up in cuba and yeah some period where you're trying to adjust to society and it's not working very well for you and you find some kind of solace, some kind of peace through going to the trees again. And then through going to the trees, you start to discover that there's movement there. That there's something, not it's not just being there, there's some interesting things that you can do that are mm. meaningful and attractive to you. Is that kind of the story? Yeah, and not only is not only regarding to movement, but all all sort of not physical movement, but all sort of movement. I mean, part of being just alone there means you you are kind of isolating yourself, and that's already something hard for people nowadays. You know, isolate themselves means they feel lonely, and they do not have a relationship with loneliness or being alone. Uh, and so I think this was rather easy for me. I, something I was looking for, you know, to have this not not. A voice talking to me all the time, or even my own voice expressing something from the past or whatever idea. And then, yeah, there are. I think there are facts about moving on the trees that make ourselves so close. You know, makes sense that we are so close to the to the prime to the apes. Yeah. Like um, in the moment you put your feet on a round branch, uh, and you have this arch on the on the on your feet on your foot. It makes sense, you know, it, it, it stick all around the, the friction and it help you. And then there are your toes trying to grasp the surface and getting all this information 
which you can feel and then act accordingly. So for me, it was like, wow, okay, all of this is there. And then you hang and you have, you know, this special rotation in the shoulder and you see all the animals and there's not like a dog can do this. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, not a chance. So there were things about the tree that I felt it was, um, yeah, the playground and also this peaceful space. So when, when did you re-enter the trees? Like at what stage of your life? Were you still in Cuba or had you moved to Spain? Well, I actually uh, moved to Spain. Okay. When I was, let's say, 18 years old. Okay. But then for a period of my life, I tried to adjust to society. Like it lasts three months and then I dropped the school again. And I figured out that I wanted to go to a different place. So I went to England to this school where they have like massive grove on the backyard full of these ancient, ancient trees. Mm. And there again, I met this peaceful place and they were redwood trees and, you know, oak, very oak trees, like 500 years old oaks. Yeah. That was like heaven. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all I need. That was the. I, uh, I'm actually going back to Europe uh, this June for the first time since uh, 2019 or 2018. And I'm really excited to encounter the big oaks and the big beech trees again. Um, I'm excited about that. So, so how old are you now? I'm 33. You're 33. So, so something like 15 years ago, you're, you're re-entering the trees. Yeah, somewhere around my 20, 21st, 22 years old. Okay. It's not even really, not exactly, but yeah, yeah, around that age. And when you're doing that, are you, is it just kind of a totally solo trip or are you finding other people are doing this? Are you aware of parkour as it's starting to develop? Are you aware of any of the other things around or is it just the attraction of the trees and you exploring and figuring yourself out up there? Well, it was just exploring. I didn't know even this parkour, not even as a word, you know, that yeah. isolated I was. Like I was saying, I I did reject society in all manners. I wanted to find the most simple things and from there on build build up because I was overwhelming with the with the war itself. And starting from the trees and then because it was in a school, I was volunteer. I have a lot of free time, but there were students. Mm -hmm. So uh, the student find out that I was climbing trees. Yeah. Cause they are so alive. And, and then they were coming and one of them come with me. And that was interesting. We have a lot of adventures, even going on redwood trees all the way up, mm -hmm. you know, move the little thing up there. What? What is this? So, um, yeah, students at first. No, like, uh, with the students. Yes. Start to climb. Like they figured out that I was doing this and they start to climb with me. Yeah. Most of them, they, they went back like to the school stuff because the, the teachers were against this, you know, all the policy of the school and it is England, man. So, you know, they have a lot of regulation and, but this guy was so curious and he didn't care so much. So he kept climbing with me and. We went into redwood trees all the way up when mm -hmm. he was just 14 years old oh. or around. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we keep up with this friendship and for him it's like, you know, amazing, amazing time of his life, figuring out the ways of trees. But yes, I started getting there. So then did you develop a, a different profession throughout your 20s that you were doing on the side and then just climbing trees for personal development or how did that play out? Oh, I, I wasn't doing anything related to profession back then. I mean, in terms of tree climbing or movement, I was just volunteering there, like helping in the kitchen, the grounds, um, because that school offered this space for you to do nothing after your four hours of volunteering. And that's what I wanted to do, nothing, to find silence, you see, mm. to find my own space. Um, I was like this almost a year. And then, yeah, and then we went to India because uh, some of some friends from the school, uh, some teachers, and that was the fine excuse to go to India and keep climbing the banyan trees, amazing banyan trees that they have there, some species of ficus, and yeah, you know, get the coconut down for breakfast, these kind of things, and I just keep going, keep going like this. But just the natural thing that you do. No, I didn't put it together to movement only after um, pandemic time. When it when it finished, when pandemic time finished, mm -hmm. I said, okay, maybe I can start my own thing doing movement. I don't want to like, um, you know, participate in in some other things that I'm not passionate about it. Yeah. So try to move to Barcelona because I have this memory of a tree there. It is a magnolia. Okay. It's tiny. It is a tiny tree. It's not like remarkable big or anything, mm -hmm. but somehow it catched my attention years before when I was there. And then we start to call it the, the school tree. And it's just a lovely tree that is full of branches and is accessible, available for everyone. So we start to move there and eventually became an attraction for friends, people who resonate passing by. Hey, what are you doing? You know, like this kind of things. No, we're just moving here, you know, the culture of moving and finding ourselves, playing, enjoying at the same time, you know, we get to be functional and still healthy. Mm -hmm. And they start to join the group. Back then I didn't charge yet. Okay, so you're, so this is just three years ago. Or so, less than three years ago, two years ago. Hmm. That's right. That's how it started in Barcelona. Wow. Okay, so just two years ago, you're you're in the trees. How are you making your living in Barcelona at that point? Well, I started there to help a friend. He have this kind of uh, he's running some some mini uh, manufacture of. Columns and uh, column, columbios. Um, how do you call this? It's like hammocks in silk. I was just helping my friend to do stuff around. He would help me financially. Sometimes we have to go and do masonry, and that's something I hate. <laughs> <laughs> Going to do waiter was out of the question for sure mm -hmm. because I hate it too. And you know, the fact of being waiting for somebody else or for whatever happened. That was terrible. That was like an exchange of time for 
I don't know what, for future ideas. Man. I couldn't do it. Kind of just working odd jobs and, and just going to play in this tree and people discover you in the tree. Yeah, because um, I've we figured out, like I have some friends and they were like, um, re- they were recycling food because we I was living on the streets in Barcelona. I went there without no money, like without money at all. Like, I mean, I went there and I did my blah, blah, guy, which is an, an app that allow you to, you know, people pay for your trip or the gas and you take them. I have this car, but, um, after I arrived, I was on zero, but then I had some friends and they were recycling food. So it was easy to like kind of survive. I have the car, I sleep in the car and eating by the, this recycling food from like from supermarket and all. That was my life back then for sure. Um, and then free time hanging at the park, <laughs> moving and making pranks and living the, the, just the hippie life, I would say. Yeah. Good that's simple, but that's what I grew yeah. up, grew up around. Um, so you, did you start to hear now people reflecting the way that you were moving was similar to parkour or similar to movement culture or some of these other ideas that, how did you get the idea to start offering this as a, as a teaching paradigm? Well, a friend, he, he was like, there were people resonating with the, with the manners of my, like. Oh, it looks like you're dancing on the trees, but I didn't want to take it out of the tree. I only have fun on the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so what they see was a monkey, you know, <laughs> you're more like a monkey. That's what they would say. Mm-hmm. And, but we like it. Can you, can you kind of teach us, you know, how, how do you do that? Like, can you repeat it? I didn't know anything about me, about progressions, about how to teach, how to explain, even people would not understand my explaining. So I was more like telling them to just imitate, you know, because it's what I do. I imitate whatever I have learned from documentaries and then whatever I have, I have found by my own movement, you know, the nature of how I should move and adapt to the tree. And then I put it together and I felt like, okay, what I'm seeing in the documentaries actually is what we developed by our own. And somehow we end up moving on a tree pretty much close to some ape techniques. So it is there for us. We share similar structures in so many ways. So it make it makes sense that we end up doing some patterns which are similar. And so this friend told me, like, man, instead of going out and doing, you know, odd works and things that you don't want to do, what why don't you just, you know, propose your service? And, um, I say, man, I, I have no idea how to make, how to make this professional. Like, this is not, uh, something I have a study or anything. It's just what I do. I move. It comes just like that, you know, like, uh, natural. Mm-hmm. And then a friend, uh, this, but I say, okay, but this, you know, the perspective of this looked better than going out every time to find jobs. Yeah. So I was try to find out and learn this, how to teach or how to, you know, to make it more easy or accessible to people, uh, how to communicate this better. And yeah, have, we start this big group around 
uh, and there were people coming with some backgrounds, like you say, gymnastics or parkour and things like that. And more than their move in self was what they will, uh, you know, the, what they will know about these terms were new for me, like progressions. I said, what is progression? You know? <laughs> progression seems to me like, uh, I don't know, the progress of the city or something like that. <laughs> I didn't, didn't know the, 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 the word itself, not even in Spanish. Progression, yeah. what is a progression, you know? Yeah. Mm, they explained it to me, it makes sense, still I didn't have notion of how to break down the practice and not even how to look at people and figure out what they need from right, at that moment. So we just start to play around, you know, play, play, play a lot in trees, always barefoot, always, you know, without t-shirt and just keep playing. But, um, we, I will start charging slowly by slowly, some fees, make a group, um, and they were coming. We were having a lot of fun. They were thankful about this. So we kept going and I was learning a lot. So that's how. So. Beautiful. So you, you were inspired as you were kind of figuring out your own movement in the trees by documentaries you've watched of, of primates. Now, did you see primates in India as well? Like, have you traveled and kind of spent time around monkeys and other, even other apes? I mean, in, in India, there were a lot of apes. Yeah. So I was able to see them, uh, how they sleep, how they move. Um, but I'm not much of uh, analytic. I don't have this analytic mind. Oh. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was not like breaking down their movement and then write it down, name it, you know, categorize it and fragmentate all this experience. For me, it was like this attention of looking at them, like astonishing because I was like, wow, look at how they move, how they sleep. Man, I saw these two monkeys with the baby. They come together in a branch, I don't know, 10 meters, 15 meters high. They put the kid in between, they hug each other and they go sleep. And that was like, no, really? In a branch where you struggle to just walk around. And they were just sleeping there, you know? So those experiences like this, seeing them all the time, um, four legs, which makes make for me and my practice make much more sense than go on two legs, um, especially on high, mm -hmm. when I'm high, I feel more grounded, you know, close to the, to the branch, the gravity point, the 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 mobility is better for me because I can use also the upper body there. I can have more information with the two arms or you know the two hands on the trunk. So mm -hmm. I get the feeling of the the branch. How can this hold me? All of these things make more sense. And they are coming from watching these monkeys and further on on documentaries too. Yeah. Yeah. So you've carved your movement style basically from just time in the trees and, and, and really paying attention to the way that other primates move in, in nature. Pretty much. One of the things I've been watching your videos, like, yeah, obviously your quadrupedal is really, really highly developed. Um, and you're very comfortable in the trees, but in particular, one of the things that's been really interesting to me is how comfortable you are bending uh, trees 
towards other trees and grabbing relatively thin looking limbs and pulling yourself into the other tree. Um, mm. We call this like clinging and bridging, right? That's like the primate locomotion sort of language for this. And I've done a bit of this, um, but that video you did with Leo in the uh, in the beach forest, like that was pretty crazy. The the heights you guys were at and how thin the branches were that you're pulling in. Have you ever had a branch break on you? Like, how have you figured out what the branch actually allows you? Well, you see, it all starts with the. I think it all starts from the feet. This feeling. Yeah. You get it feet. You go on a branch, and. You, I mean, I'm curious about many stuff in general, so I'm, and I never fall. I'm sorry. Never fallen. I, I've never fallen in my life from, from high or, or anything broke in my body because I, as I said, I was always slow, you know, yeah. slow. I wasn't, I, I don't come from parkour or this acrobatic things that were you, you're always in this explosive mode. I'm more like in slow guy, like in the trees, I move, I dance try to connect and not trying to do big jumps or big things like that. But that, they're amazing. I mean, I have to say they're amazing. I, I, I love it. That's why we got along with Leo so good. Because I was like, what are you doing there, boy? This is amazing. Mm -hmm. But so it was. But so it was too. So um, we tried to combine this knowledge. But uh, Rafi, the thing is, I, I think we all have this capability of um, get into our animal part because it's not that we are either one or the other, not an animal or not a human, and then they are contradictory. But either these are all things on us, like some state of mind that we can inhabit. Um, for me, it makes sense to inhabit this animal mode when I'm on a tree. Mm -hmm. High or not high, it allowed me to have this, all these sensations from the branch, from the type of tree, uh, and, and even to look at what branches are, you know, rotten and, and because you go slow too. I mean, if you go to this fast, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's like at some point you're going to mistake and that's it. 50 meter high. There is no, you know, you can't play like this explosive at 50 meters high. And there is something else, like, if you see a bunch of monkey, they all have their area. Yeah. They develop their patterns of movement in the, in, in specific areas. Usually is the route where they go to eat and they know a, a specifically every tree and, and passage, you know? Yeah. And so there is this previous invest, this previous investigation, not through our, not through data, but through feelings, you know, spending some time on this kind of trees, give you a lot of information to your animal. Yeah. Not through your arguments and then you break it down to your animals. All these feelings are there. It's just like you go up on a tree blind. You close your eyes and you go up on a tree and you think, oh, how am I get, how am I, how am I go to get down from here? You think on this because you're not, you're not, uh, seeing where, where are you going, no? but you are, and you are creating a mental, uh, map. And so it is that when you go down, you already know where to put your legs, or you have this kind of imaginary map that you are building up in your way up. Mm -hmm. So this kind of things happens, uh, 
why we move on trees. You, so I go on a tree and I start to try to, to explore it, you know, slowly, gentle, you know, it's just like making a new friend. We go around, you know, ah, oh, this is what you can do. Oh, I can do this here. So you move around all the branches and this is like mapping the tree, like three dimension mapping. And then you can play like fast and do all of this and you get the feeling you already know, but not, not, uh, you, it's not that you have the knowledge, but already your very sense have this, all this back, all these feedbacks of what you can do where, you know, yeah. what is the response of this branch, the resistance, can you bend it or not? You know, the type of tree where you are, all of this is already there. And as it is, you don't need to worry anymore. It's just a matter of feeling it every time. You go there and your body knows what to do. What to do, where to put the feet, how much weight. All of this is due to the uh, this previous work. And also, there is something about Leo and us that uh, we were able to do this too. Because both of us have a built-up relationship with fear mm -hmm. in general, right? Leo... I don't even need to talk about him. He, he climbed all this skyscraper, skyscraper and all of this is already like, you need that relationship for sure to do all of these free solos. Mm -hmm. But even on trees, it becomes a little bit even difficult because it's a living thing. Yeah. So having this relationship with fear and having these feelings and this connection to your attention create the perfect environment for you then be able to play on trees you know absolutely and that's it it's not like you have to read biology and figure out three before you go up so you're talking about the idea that your confidence in trees comes from going slow to map a tree out and that this is something that we also see in primates which is cool because my um my wife did her PhD or sorry, her master's thesis on parkour as a form of adult play. She looked at primate models and what you'll see is that primates don't just use the same routes over and over again. Like they, the, they don't just use the functional routes to their environment. They explore and find ways to jump, climb and do things in novel ways and then repeat them just like we do with parkour um, because it helps them do exactly what you're talking about. It helps them map the environment out. Theoretically, then, if they're chasing a, a prey item like a small animal or being chased by a predator or need to access a resource that they didn't see before, they now have it mapped out in the environment and they're able to, to trust the branches, to trust their capacity to jump this gap. Um, so this is how we start with all of our students as well. We say like, you know, it's kind of like move like an orangutan before you try to move like a gibbon. <laughs> it's kind of great. You start slow, you start exploring, you start mapping it. But what I've noticed over the years is that uh, people don't have an intuitive sense of what is safe. And it's also very variable. I've, I've definitely had tree limbs come off on me. Um, there's a type of tree that's native here called a, a big leaf maple. It's kind of famous for having branches that will just shed. And so it's a beautiful tree. looks really nice. It, like, it can grow in really fantastic shapes. But sometimes you don't know it, and that branch is just ready to go. I was, uh, I was probably, yeah, maybe, I probably went up about twenty feet in this 
maple and I was climbing down it. You know how when a limb is sort of slanted down, you could climb down it like a rope. And luckily it came off when I was about eight feet off the ground instead of 20 feet off the ground. But it was just, boom, the branch came. And so it is possible for these things, even, you know, uh, and I have, I've been climbing trees like you since I was a child. And I've noticed that I have this inherent sort of sense of danger usually around which tree limbs could break. Um, and I've had to train myself to be able to, to recognize what the signs are so that I can guide other people into recognizing the signs because the intuitive sense that you have as somebody who climbed trees all of your childhood, that's not so accessible necessarily to the next generation of people who are coming from the city to climb the trees. Have you thought about that? Have you looked into how do I educate that intuition in the students that I work with? Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of the hard part because, uh, you can teach a technique, um, right. I mean, right head, they try to imitate this technique and they sometimes go high even because they have no, at some point when you are playing in group, you get excited. And as you are excited, you lose the sense of fear because you are known your own, mm-hmm. you feel the hug. And then you try things you were not tried by your own. Yeah. But it doesn't mean, I mean, climbing is, it looks like it's not just about techniques, neither, it's neither one thing or other. There are many things that you need to integrate. Um, I would say that the most important part is to be able to access to this attention to what is happening in real life. And that's, that is like saying, um, stop whatever you're doing in your mind and be able to see the details of the tree and the hand that is moving around. And, you know, we already know in our daily life that this is kind of hard for most of people because our own habit of being thinking thought after thought, right? So of course you can get into a tree and you are full capability and you are stronger than me and like many of my students are, and they come, but they are thinking maybe on how they look from outside, you know, mm. or making the most amazing acrobatic thing or jumping further. And then, you know, especially because of this process is going on, they're not able to see all their details that they need to see in that moment, you know, to be present and, and, and figure that that's not the best thing to do <laughs> or not in that uh, specific uh, way of being, you know? And that's that's something that uh, I have learned too because some of them felt like they don't feel them high because I don't take people high to train. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, I know by myself, it takes a lot of, of personal develop or personal aspiration and responsibility to be up there knowing that whatever happened to you is your scene and take this decision by your own, you know, and not regarding that somebody else is taking care of you because at the end of the day, somebody is falling, I cannot take care of them. It's impossible, yeah. you know, and no Superman, <laughs> I don't fly. So uh, we train in the low level and if eventually I can see someone can, you know, like 
Leo, we can do things together, but it's in different terms. It's not my student. I'm not his mm-hmm. student. Whatever happened to both of us, it's just fine, you know. And um, so it is hard to convey this element and then even harder to share it. And that's why I stick to uh, to share um, low-level branches, my techniques, my or whatever I can share with them. And then we go around when in this is intensive, which is in, interesting too, is that we are able to share our person, you see, to build up uh, different bridges, different relationship. Uh, so it is not like professor, teacher relationship where you trust that everything's going to be okay, but we learn all these things, you know, to be alone, to be in silence, to make, you know, survival things, to learn about trees. We go around in the forest and we gather things, we collect, you know, we don't hunt, but we don't need to do that now, now on right now. Um, but I believe it is the combination of, of many factors that bring about on a human, this self-trust and this self-attention that later on reflects on how you move, uh, depending on the challenge that you have, how do you move? How do you feel? Because you can feel very comfortable two meters, but what about 20? Are you still comfortable or you are, st- or you are dealing with some uh, process there that have a physiological answer to you will shake leg when you are so high with the uh, with the idea of dying which is just an idea but it's also a possibility a factual possibility and your body has just react like you know you're shaking there and this is something you have to be able to relate with yeah that's a a wonderful aspect of what we do is the relationship to fear, right? It's so easy to to not develop a relationship with fear in the modern world. Um, but it's you're always going to be afraid at some point. And how good is your relationship when you when you meet that point? Yeah, exactly. When you when you describe your movement in trees, one thing that you get the impression that I get the impression of is it's very much a place where you're able to kind of not think right it's a it's a place of uh, uh of where your your chattering mind goes away do you notice that that shift in in mentality and have you done anything to really cultivate the ability to to let go of the chattering of your mind other than just spending time in the trees well that's the interesting thing for me is that you use the tree to find out about these things mm-hmm. right and as every other tool, uh, for a while, it becomes like the excuse to get there, as you say. But I'm deeply interested in this kind of things, not just in silent or the animal. When I get into a tree, it's not too much that no idea, uh, it's not no thought at all or completely silent or completely... Uh, the animal how to put I'm getting in a mess now Um, what I'm trying to say is that is I can see how different it is to be in animal mode to put it in somehow when you are you know hide there Mm -hmm. facing the imminent death if you fall 
um, with some kind of a difficulty there. And I can see that in those specific moments, the, the main state of being is like this anima mode, you know, is this, is this perception of everything, but at the same time, you are not creating like uh, all this chatting. Okay. This is there, which is different actually of another type of silence that I have been experienced. Like for example, if I'm hugging some uh, friends, like, or people that I really connect with in some other kind of dimension, not uh, on the intellectual, not on, we don't need to even talk. We touch each other, we hug each other. And there is this, this sense of we can fall to each other, right? We can rest there one to each other. And in that resting, in that going deep, I have been experiencing also another type of silence which is neither the animal or the analytic mind, the chatting mind. So there are like this, you see, this is my area of interest nowadays a lot. Like, what is this? We are able to inhabit different states of being, different dimensions, and they all have kind of very interesting uh, taste and feeling, and they all have kind of... Uh, kind of a functionality also in our life and you see if i speaking i'm speaking with you i don't want to be in this animal mode right now you know i'm kind of concentrating when i'm speaking yeah. i'm kind of uh, you know regarding the phone thinking about this communication using all this uh, amazing skills from humans um have cultivated for for so long but then one day I'm on the tree, I don't want to be talking to people, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to be as, as relaxed as in a hug, you know? No, I know. So, it's a very funny thing. Um, so many people have seen me speak a lot, right? So they want to come and meet me and train with me. And then when they, when they are with me, they want to talk to me. But if we're in the trees, I don't want to talk, right? We <laughs> don't see a little bit of talk, right? Like only the talk that fills the time between when my body's ready for the next effort. But if they get excited about the subject of the talk, then then they'll they'll be holding on to me when I'm ready to jump again. And it's very frustrating actually. It's like right. Like I need to move. I need to move in the tree. I'm here for the tree. Like you can be with me and we're in the tree together, but don't don't make me sideline the tree, because that's what I'm mostly here for. Yeah, it's different when you play or when you teach, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like I mean I, I teach them and then I say okay class dismissed let's play now you know, they they understand that completely you know I have no more this role so let's just play yeah absolutely that's yeah. It. yeah that's uh I can I definitely can show up as the coach when that's the appropriate role but uh but when I'm showing up to play it's a different it's a different thing peevish if people ask too much of me that takes me away from the play um you um you talk in the documentary about the sense that that you have that people are very disconnected in our culture and that really rang for me because that's basically at the heart of my work right now which is this idea that fundamentally we experience a loss of meaning in life because we're disconnected from the things that give meaning to life and that the way that we move 
the integration of different aspects of the self and the integration with nature are major components of that. So can you talk about how you came to think about um, that sense of disconnection and the role of taking people into nature and into movement in re redeveloping connection for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, I would put it in a different way, you see. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that we are disconnected completely like um and, and therefore we need to reconnect what i what i experience on myself is like everything is just there the problem is there is this fight between what to be in every moment you know mm -hmm. like uh, because of our society is based on a sense of time a temporal line you know sense of planning ahead and remembering the most that we can from the past our entire culture is based on this timeline so it makes us to engage in so many processes during the day we are thinking ahead all the time or rather coming back to our database to call it some or library you know it's really make a person so busy all around the day and then, I mean, if you do anything for so long, like most of your day, it becomes a habit, you know? Mm -hmm. And a habit is something which is difficult to, to address when it has become an automatic process. And, seeing, and so I, I, I can see how myself and many of the other humans, we have this habit of thinking just for, the, just for, just for thinking, you know? So thinking has become a habit for whatever purpose even without a purpose, just, just as an automatic thing to do. And so when you are thinking the whole day, what is, what is the space to do to feel and experience something else? It becomes such a difficult thing just to find a gap between one thought and the next. Yeah. For you to experience life from a different perspective, from a different dimension of what you potentially can be, you know? So... What does the thing if a human being start to connect back to having this little space, at least, is start to meet a different reality, a different perception of the reality, you know? So in a state, and, and therefore there are like so many methods out there just to, for you to try and get these little seconds of gaps where you can experience life from a different perspective or the drugs where well, direct links to get there, no? where you definitely shut up these boys and uh, as you say, but you see this create another conflict because we are the boys as much as we are the animal and all the other possibilities. So if I create on my own a fight to the chatting bot, oop. Yeah, we have 10%, uh, I have to charge again and maybe we can carry on, but, um, so Rafi, I was saying that as we have become uh, so much of this uh, human that is always chatting and for some sick, like finding out things, analyzing things, comparing things, you know, trying to figure out uh, in advance, there is not space for something else to, uh, to flourish, you know, but it, it's just there. And nowadays there is all these methods to go around and 
to make you feel that you have some kind of uh, possibility to reach there, you know? Yeah. But then you be dependent on this method, right? So this is another disadvantage of the method itself. A method make you, it's like, go, it's, you know, then you need the method to get there every time. And you can't do it without the method. And probably the method would take you some five minutes or some one hour to just be able to then have this little gap, you know? But this is one thing. And the other thing is the fight that uh, as a consequence of this, you are fighting yourself. You know, you see yourself as a problem and then you, you see yourself as a saber uh, and, and, and as a fighter. So you, you create all this mess on your own conscious. Now you are fighting yourself to be, to, to shut up yourself. This is, you know, if you take two stones and rubber them together, they create friction and heat, mm -hmm. right? Which translates for us into headache <laughs> and more misunderstanding. And so all this fight within us create more, more of a struggle, anxiety, more of headache, more, you know, so. I don't want to fight myself and I, I don't want to like, I recognize that all of these things, all of these capabilities that we have, they all have their own place. Mm -hmm. And what I recognize that we need to find that right balance. Yeah. But then work out properly. The, the goal is the, the effective integration of the self, right? It's not that the, the thinking mind is bad and that animal mind is good. It's that they need to be properly balanced and relating well to each other, dancing in harmony. Um, there's a, when I say that, that we're disconnected, um, obviously we can think of connection as sort of existing on a spectrum, but an example that you gave in, in, uh, the documentary, uh, about your, your, your approach and is one that I give as well, which is like when someone looks at a tree, what do they see? Like you said, you know, maybe they categorize it, but I think for most people, they don't even have categories. They just have tree. It's just a wall of green, right? They don't know that it's an oak tree or a, a banyan tree or whatever it is, because it's, they don't, that, those categories don't have any perceptual relevance to the average person. It's just a green thing in a park. Yeah. Now, if you're a biologist or you're interested in biology, maybe you, you have a perceptual category. It's, it's a, it's a banyan tree. Maybe it's, you know, it's invasive or it's, it's native, but when you become a tree climber, you see the potential to move in it. And that creates a different emotional resonance and sense of connection with the tree. And if you maybe are a birder or a, a forager or a bushcrafter, then you see the potential for what kind of animals live in that. How does it interact with the lo local ecology? What, um, what kind of fibers can you take off of it? What kind of wood does it provide? How does it work for fire making? And all of those literally map into a deeper sense of meaning and they pull you into awareness of the tree. If you look at a tree and you just try to concentrate on it, just say, okay, I'm looking at this tree. I'm going to look at this tree and see this tree and not, not anything else for a long period of time. It's very hard. But if you see aspects of the tree that can shift your attention around the different aspects of the tree, it can absorb you very easily. And that deepens the sense of connection that you have. Yeah. I, um, I've been, I've been trying a lot of my training over the last, over the winter, actually at, in an indoor facility called uh, Life Force Ninja. There's a few reasons. This is the first time I've, I've done that in like a decade, but it's the, the, 
few reasons why I've done it. One, it's because it's easy for me to be there with my kids and then my kids have a great time and I have a good time and, and even my wife does. The other is because I had some injuries and some illness that made actually just the, the fact of it being cold outside much harder for me to deal with this last winter. But um, I'm just starting to really take my practice back into nature. And so there's this beautiful creek by my house that has these wonderful sandstone boulders that you can run across, right? Some small boulders, some big boulders. And so I went out there and I did my first run down the creek of the year recently with some friends. And it was interesting to compare that experience to being in the gym, because in the gym, the, the ground is flat and I know exactly what everything looks like. And it has very little perceptual demand on me aside from the central elements that I'm working with. And so I'm working at a very high level of performance in specific motor patterns and muscular output, but actually the perceptual demand is relatively low. So I went back into this environment where every rock is a different shape, light is hitting it differently, the moss is wet in different, like different degrees of wet. And I could really feel how it pulled me into this different mental state to be in that environment because not just the physical demands, but the perceptual demands of what I were doing was so much higher. This is one of the things that I think is really magical about moving in trees as well, is that your, your perceptual system is working so much harder and inherently that's going to inhibit the talking mind. The narrative mind can't spend as much time, it can't demand as many of your resources because you have to be able to actually perceive the environment. Mm. Well, I see your point. Yeah. Although, Rafi, um, I think we are able to actually get to a different, um, you see, so we have this litter by uh, this separate state of being, mm -hmm. um, and we have this fight, and then we have also like, uh, the consequence of this fight. And then you have this, uh, we have some kind of feelings that say, okay, maybe here the best is just to be the animal, you know? Mm -hmm. But you know what really intrigued me more is that sometimes, like I, when I'm really, like I, like sometimes I go and it's not one thing, mm -hmm. but rather the, it's like, it's the energy of being everything at the same time is there. So, there is no fight, there is no specific one animal, but they all there. Like all of these parts are there playing the role. And then it's just fine to think when I need to think, to not fear if I need the animal. It's just about the balance. But this is my feeling. You see, this is my experience. But I I feel like moving more and more in, through to this, you see, to not get along with one specific things at all, but looking for the integration of all these elements and the right uh, balance of this, you know, which is built on awareness. And that's the kind of a difficult thing when we try to address this like directly, oh, I, I want awareness so I'll be able to do all of the others. No, something will come in time if all the little parts are playing and the right balance is there. Yeah. Uh, mm, so there's no more need to just fight for to be one step of mine, you know? That's my experience is now. 
Yeah, I've had this experience in, um, particularly that calls to mind the experience of doing uh, martial arts for me, sparring. When I'm sparring at a really high level, I experience that my conscious narrative self feels like it's surfing on top of the wave of my body and it's feeding information back. It's noticing, it's being able to sort of name the patterns that I'm seeing in my opponents and what they're doing and then feed it to the underlying system. And so there's a time when you, when you're sparring or when you're doing parkour, we can really feel that there's a kind of catch that the, the narrative mind is sort of trying to take over and hold and do the things that it's not actually that good at. And then there's a way in which you can sink past it and you're just moving and the movement is kind of arising through you without trying to control it. But then there's this next layer, which is like the movement is arising through you and the, the narrative mind is giving the body space to do what it needs, but then it starts to dance well with it. It starts to play well. It starts to feed information to the body in a way that um, it has that that aspect of a, of a well-coordinated dance. And that's a, a one feeling to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it, it, it stopped the fighting of yourself trying to control. Okay, no, now, no, now. Don't, 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 now. Don't talk now. Yeah. Let it talk, you know, as long as it is familiar and well-feeling and well, you know, like it feels just right. I think that's, that's ultimately what I, what for me looks like to do everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that through these physical practices, we have the capacity to better integrate the aspects of the self, right? Uh, Aristotle famously talked about the self as being uh, composed of a monster a lion and a man. And the monster is something like the underlying innate drives. And the lion is like our social conditioning. And then the man is that rational forward thinking part of you. And the well-developed self is the person who's actually integrated all those things. So, um, I see man can train the lion to tame the monster, but, uh, I think that that's not necessarily the right way to look at it because it places the man at the top of the hierarchy. Until the fight, fight, the fight is still there, you see? Yeah. They're co-equal. That's all we know, man. That's all we know from, from all times. Fighting, 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 you know? Yeah. So, Victor, I know that your phone's about to die, and I think we'll have to start uh we'll have to have another conversation in the future hopefully we'll meet in person um i know you're coming up to the west coast i don't know if you're going to make it as far north as i am but hopefully you can you can do that or maybe uh when i'm in europe in june we can we can meet up somewhere uh but for now i think we can kind of come to a close here but i'd love to just you know uh say what are you doing where can people find you how can people get involved with what you're up to oh okay so well you see we have this Instagram social media page that uh, they can find and it's uh, I mean it's called Tarzan Movement and another story we can talk some days yeah uh, and then we start just like a couple of months a YouTube channel it is called in the same way Tarzan Movement so we are bouncing between it between them information some 
longer shots and some shots just for Instagram and to keep going. And then the feeding the information, what are we doing and when and how, you know? Beautiful. Yes. Let's so we'll find you. Yeah. Someday I want to have you and me, Leo and uh, Vance Poobel from, uh, from, from Brazil all get together in the trees and we can make a video called will the will the real Tarzan please stand up I don't know this guy you the last one you mentioned but do be- he called he's called bacon man on Instagram look him up he's another really amazing tree mover all right if you get it it would be easy lots of people have been called the real Tarzan in the in the mover community so who's the, who's the real that's good that's good there should be at least one for every country every country <laughs> okay yeah um Ah, it was a real pleasure to speak with you, Victor, and I, I wish you luck on the rest of your intensive. I hope you guys have an awesome time and enjoy Nicaragua. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye. I also enjoy it. Bye-bye.